Fastball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another episode of the Nosebleeds Podcast. Michael Calamari here with Sebastian Seabach and Gino Alva. Gino, I think this is your first time on a show, so it's a great, great opportunity to have it on the Nosebleeds Podcast. You know, one of my favorites and super fun to talk about baseball. So how are you doing on the podcast today? Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, guys. First time here. I'm very excited to talk about baseball, especially the MLB All-Star Games coming up. It's going to be a fun discussion of who we're going to pick for our outfielders, infielders, all that stuff. So it'll be fun to talk about it. Yeah, it's going to be a super fun uh, episode. I mean, along with the All-Star about ton of talk about in the MLB, especially here in New York and Seabock as Yankee fans. It's a pretty good time to be a Yankee fan. And that's what I think we're going to get into. But as a Yankee fan, how are you doing today and how's everything going? I haven't seen you in a while. I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for uh, having me debut uh, on the Nosebleeds podcast. You know, I'm excited to be here and talk some baseball with you as Yankees fans. As a Yankee fan, you know, things can be going better right now. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about it. And Gino, are you a Yankee fan? I'm, I'm not sure I've ever, I, I, we have yeah. talked about your favorite. You're a Yankee. So we got three. I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan. So, so, I mean, let's just start with the Yankees then. I know the Mets probably have the bigger news of Max Scherzer returning, but it's still Yankees kind of run this town in New York City baseball. And let's start with them. They had this two game set against the Pirates. They have one game tonight, which we won't be able to talk about, but we can't talk about the game that happened last night. Jameson Tyone making his return to Pittsburgh does not get the job done. Five and a third inning pitched. He gives up five earned runs. We saw some flashes out of a role with Chapman. That's probably the lone bright spot. Um, in addition to a three hit performance by Isaiah kind of Falefa. So we're Yankees in the midst of this road trip, they weren't able uh, to get the sleep against the Guardians, won both games in that doubleheader, ended up losing game three. They also started off the road trip with a loss to the Astros. So, Sebastian, I'll go to you first. You know, thoughts on that Pirates game and then just, I guess, thoughts about the Yankees so far, what you've seen out of them on this road trip. Uh, so first thoughts on the Pirates game, you know, I thought it was kind of a uh... – I think it was really the first game where the Yankees just didn't hit with runners in scoring position throughout the entire game. As you can see, the Yankees out hit the Pirates 10 to 6, I think so. But the Pirates score more runs because, you know, they hit the long ball. They hit better with runners in scoring position, situational hitting. And, you know, and the starting pitching just didn't get the job done for the Yankees. And, you know, Jamison Tyone, you look at this last month of him, you know, I, I think there's reason if you're the Yankees to be concerned about you know, what he's doing, you know, his ERA was 2.30 after May 31st and has increased to 3.63 as of today, July the 6th. So that's a, that's over a full run increase. You know, he struggled in the month of June. Um, I, I know he has a nine and two record, but you know, he's been flooded with run support and that's just the Yankees overall, just finding ways to win, even with not their best starting, but I think, you know, the last couple of weeks, you've just experienced a little bit of inconsistency from the Yankees as a team. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think it's it's been a little bit of an inconsistency along this road trip. I was, you know, the reason uh, I wasn't talking right away is because I was looking up Jamison Tyone's splits to see what his ERA has been. Month of June of 4.59, and then obviously starts out July with an 8.44 ERA in the month because of just the performance he had 
in that Pirates game. The one thing I will say about Tyone is that in the month of June, when he had a 4.59 ERA, he still goes at least five innings in every start but one. So he starts six games. He goes five innings in every start. But one, we saw that in the Pirates game. He goes five and a third. I know he gives up five runs, but he's still giving the Yankees some length, and he's still able to keep him in the game. You just don't know. You just don't, you know, really like what you've seen out of him. Month of May, he allows one home run that whole month. Month of April, he allows three home runs, four in June, and two in the Pirates game. So the long ball's happening. He's in the strike zone. We've always known that with Tyone, only six walks in the month of June when he had that really high ERA. Didn't walk anyone against Pittsburgh. It's just coming down to pitch pitch execution, and we're not seeing him right now from Jameson Tyone. No, we are certainly not. And as you as you mentioned, you know, the four point ER five nine ERA uh, in the month of June, you know, it, it kind of just goes to show his struggles overall. I mean, James Tyone, you know, ever since he's came to the Yankees or throughout his entire career, he's been a strike thrower. Uh, but I, I think you're starting to see some of his holes exposed because, you know, as you saw yesterday in the Pirates game, he was getting ahead in counts, but not able to put hitters away. You look at the back Daniel Vogel back. He got him in the one-two count, but just could not find the put-away pitch as Vogel back laid, laid off two change-ups and then eventually hit the home run. Same with Jack Swinski, too. And he was also in a two-strike count, but also ended up taking a change-up over the right center field wall. So it's kind of been a trend for Jameson Tyone, just not being able to find uh, a way to put hitters away. And he's been giving up a lot of hits as a result because, you know, maybe he's just laboring a bit too much in the strike zone. But I think another thing that you can mention that, you know, is kind of – a bit of a head scratcher right now is the, the Yankees hitting, you know, the Yankees got one hit by Cleveland in the final game of a three game set on Sunday. And, you know, then you go back to the Astros game, the Astros, the entire Astros series, you know, that's, that's really one of the legitimate teams that, you know, they faced throughout this 20 game non-resting stretch. And, you know, they could have easily lost all five games. They only won two of the five games because they came up with clutch hitting in the ninth inning, but, you know. So were there, were there, were there two walk-offs? I mean, two wins walk-offs? Yes, there were two wins walk-offs. And obviously, so they were both the night, if Hicks doesn't hit the three-run homer, you're yeah. not even in that yeah. game. Yeah. So, so yeah, and, I, 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 and I think that's a serious problem. We talked about Tyone's struggles, but the pitching has been consistently good for the yeah. most part. Yeah. I mean, it, even that it's game. It's going to be hitting. Yeah. And, and the, um, before, I, I'll let you go right again, Seabach, after I say this. I think the big thing with the Astros games, and this has probably been a point I've mentioned on previous podcasts, previous um, shows, I think one-on-one last weekend, I said the exact same thing. It showed to me that in a seven-game series, if the bats fall asleep for four games, you might lose if you're the Yankees. And that's the concern right now. You are leaps and bounds better than every other team in the American League, but that's not the case with the Houston Astros. They are in your league. They are in your tier. They are in the same level playing field as the Yankees are and that kind of scares me as a Yankee fan I think it scares a lot of Yankee fans that the Astros can very much beat them in seven game series this mm-hmm. Yankee team's not invincible to the entire league for most of the league they are but not for the teams that they're going to have to beat and it's going to be a tough series when we get to that point and we've seen it in the sample size against the Astros yeah, you know, the Astros, going into the Astros series, you know, three of the four games, you know, the Yankees struggled to hit the ball. I mean, you, you look back at the first, like, three of the four games, they just simply could not find hits, but they got lucky when they got hits because of clutch hitting, clutch and timely hitting. I mean, the first game, you know, the Yankees, they had two hits through eight innings. And then, of course, the Saturday game, they got no hit. And then you look at the final game of the series, 
I know it ended in a walk-off home run, but they only had – they had no hits through seven to third innings. So, so um, you know, and then – so, basically, you know, they're hitting – a lot of their hitters went through slumps in the month of June. You know, you had Gallo hitting 111, Trevino hitting under 200. Even your best hitter, Aaron Judge, is in a, is in a four for 34 slide right now. So – and then Rizzo also had an 0 for 19. Stanton's not been good. He's only been hitting home runs. That's really – that's really it. So, you know, you got a lot of hitters struggling right now on the Yankees. And, and I think, like, it's not if it's not a question if they'll get to the postseason. It's a question of whether they'll perform in the postseason because it all comes down to who's hot, who's hot at the right time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what it's going to come down to. When can the Yankees get hot? And you just got to hope that's at the right time for the New York Yankees. It's not, you know, during the regular season, we're seeing a lot of that but that when it comes to the postseason, when it comes to that Astro series against those pitching, they're going to be able to get it done. I do want to shift gears now to the Yankees, something to note, still 13 games ahead of the um, Boston Red Sox for first place in the AL East. They do play the Red Sox in a four-game series. After they finish up in Pittsburgh today, they'll go to Fenway Park. They'll finish up a game. Sunday night baseball will have all that, so that's going to be super exciting for next week's Nosebleeds uh, episode. But, it, you know, it's hard not to talk about the Mets. Uh, Sebastian, but Gino, I do want to hear your perspective on the Mets. Max Scherzer, he comes back to the mound six innings. He doesn't uh, even allow a run. He's dominant. Eleven strikeouts, two hits. Mets not able to get the win. Bats fall asleep, lose one nothing to the Reds, but they still have a chance to win the series tonight. But the story, Scherzer and Gino, I want to. What do you think about this? Max Scherzer returning to the Mets. How big is this for them? How much does this? help them as the Braves continue to dominate, continue to creep up on that Mets lead. How important is it that Max Scherzer is returning to this team? Yeah, it's huge for the Mets. I mean, back in May when, you know, Max Scherzer got that injury, it was scary for the Mets fans because, you know, they're so hot right now. It's probably been their best year since, you know, 2014, 2015. And I think what Max Scherzer is doing for the Mets, especially this year, was – outstanding beginning of the series. I mean, like like you said, last night he was throwing 57 of 79 pitches for strikes. And I think he was averaging around maybe 95 miles per hour every ball he was throwing. Um, it's huge for the Mets. I mean, what Max Scherzer did in Washington, Max Scherzer did in, in his other teams, I think it's a great thing that's happening for him. Uh, for the Mets fans now that they're playing against Cincinnati, I think it's, you know, they've been having a little bit of a struggle, especially last night, because, you know, 11 pitches strikes, Great for Scherzer. I think what Scherzer is going to have to do is continue, you know, keeping on his form, you know, after his recovery from his injury. Uh, if he keeps throwing like this, you know, the Mets have, you know, a chance to make it to the NL East. I mean, excuse me, the uh, make it to the postseason and National League. And uh, I think, you know, what Scherzer is doing is great right now. And uh, yeah, that thinks what I have to say about him. Yeah, I mean, the, what Scherzer, I think, has done for the Mets is, I think, uh, it, He's going to be huge. And we saw that in the Cincinnati Reds game, even before he got hurt in May 18th, he had a sub three ERA. It felt like every time he went on the mound, the Mets were in a better position to win than without him. And that's what you want out of your star pitcher. But I think the question for me is Scherzer's not enough. Even DeGrom might not be enough. Seabach, I want to know what you have to say about this. My concerns lie with the hitting. It's always going to be this way with the Mets. Can they hit? And do they have the power numbers without Pete Alonso? If Pete Alonso weren't there, he doesn't show up, then they have a serious problem. He provides 60-plus RBIs. He provides 20-plus home runs. They don't have another guy that can do what he does. They're, they're not that balanced, this Mets team. They hit for contact. They hit with runners in scoring position. 
but I just think they need a couple more bats. I think they need some power. And if the hits don't fall with runners in scoring position, even if they have great pitching, like we saw with the Cincinnati game, they're not going to be able to get the win. That's my biggest concern. And that's what I, my biggest question I have left. And that's why I don't think they're in the league of the Dodgers. I don't think they're in the league of the Padres just yet. Even the Brewers. I, I know the record says otherwise, but my history with the Mets, what I've seen so far this season, I'm not ready to call them top dog in the NL, even with Scherzer returning and maybe DeGrom. All right. Yeah. So I kind of have to disagree with you, Mike, you know, about, about the hitting. I don't think it's the number one concern. You know, I think the number one concern is the health of their pitching staff. And if you look at last year specifically, the health of their pitching staff just went down the drain last year. I mean, their hitting was never there, but you know, what really crumbled the Mets was their pitching staff because DeGrom, uh, was out for the rest of the season. You had Taiwan Walker, an all-star pitcher last year, like fall to fall on the face of the earth in the second half with the 7.71 ERA. But you also have Max Scherzer this year pitching for the Mets. And when he's gone, the Mets are a 500 team. They're 12 and they were, they're 12 and 12 in their last 24 games. So I think, you know, but when he was there, you know, the Mets were 19 games over 500 and that's before or early in the month of June. So I think the main piece for the Mets is to keep their pitching staff healthy, and that's to keep Scherzer and DeGrom healthy because if you keep those two starters healthy, you'll go far into the postseason. So I, I, I do want to push back, and I'll let Gino go after I, I, I talk. I want to see what he has to say about this. But my problem's not about once the Mets are in the postseason – it's about finishing the 162 game season because that's been the problem with the Mets since not being able to return to the postseason since I think 2016, it's not been about getting there. It's about once you're there, what's, you know, what's happening, you know, and it's been because of the hitting, it's not been the pitching we know in the uh, postseason pitching rules. And I think that with DeGrom healthy, with Scherzer healthy, with McGill Peterson, all these guys, um, you know, they, they can really do a good job in the postseason. But to get to, back to my point, to get there with the Braves creeping up, with the tough division, with the Phillies there, I don't think they're going away. They're going to have to hold on to this first place if they want to be in a good position to win. I'm not sure if they can do that in the current situation uh, they have. They're sixth most in the run scored. It's a, it's a good number. They're sixth most in runs scored. But they're scoring that runs by hitting for average and hitting with runners in score position. They're fourth in batting average. So they're doing a great job there. But these are the power numbers. They are 22nd in doubles. The teams behind them, the Rangers, Pirates, shockingly the Yankees, but then the Tigers, Angels, Marlins, Diamondbacks. Those are the teams behind them. In front of them, Royals, Giants, Reds. Not a lot of good teams there. Go to home runs. They're 19th in home runs. Team behind them, Red Sox, pretty good team. Rockies, Rays, Rays pretty good. Reds, Padres, Padres pretty good. Royals, White Sox, Nationals, Guardians, Athletics, Tigers. So I, when I see the company, it kind of scares me. I look at the top in home runs, Yankees, Braves, Astros, Brewers, Phillies, Blue Jays, Ranger, Rangers, maybe an outlier there, Twins, Dodgers, Angels. So listen, that could mean nothing to you because the Mets are still fourth in batting average. They're still six most runs, but I see the power. I see the doubles. I see the home runs, 12th in OPS. Listen, they could be due to a regression. If the hits now start to fall without runners in scoring position and you lose the power, it, everything's a balance. You can't have too much power. That's always been my biggest critique with the Yankees. Sometimes you can't have too much average. You need a little bit of power. Is it going to be enough to get them there? 
And Gino, I'll let I'll, I'll let you see what you think. Do you think the hitting's a problem? Do you think that's going to be a problem for the full 162 game season, or do you think the pitching's just going to be good enough to keep him in first place in the NL East? Of course, pitchers are really important for the team. If they keep going steady, uh, you know they'll get the job done. Like I said in the previous season, for the past five seasons for the Mets, they finished below third. They've never been to the, they haven't been to the postseason since that 2015 run. It's going to be difficult for the Mets because at this point in the season, you'll see a slump with any team league. And if they continue to slump with hits, then you'll know they'll probably not achieve that postseason reach. But I think the pitching staff is really important. Now the Scherz is back, the Mets will probably be in the same run they were in the beginning of the season. And I think if they keep this consistency, you know, they'll probably reach the postseason. But like I said in the last year, every game matters for the league, the 162 games. What the Yankees did last season, especially this time of the year, they went to a 13 or 10 game winning streak. And then they went to a seven game winning uh, losing streak. So, you know, the Mets might reach that point where they're going to have a great winning streak. Some point might go to a losing streak. But the most important part is they keep the consistency with all their players that are back from, you know, uh, injury. They could probably achieve a bad postseason reach and, you know, compete in the NLCS and the LADS and then, you know, reach from there. Yeah, it's, listen, it's going to be exciting to see. It's going to be something we're going to continue to watch, um, you know, in New York as, you know, we are covering the Mets. We got a bunch of beat reporters there. And listen, I'd love to watch this team have a great run. I have my doubts. Doesn't mean I don't want to see them do good things, even if I'm a Yankee fan. So listen, it's going to be a very exciting time in New York baseball. And we're just going to have to wait and see. And I will say this, I will end it like this. If the Mets get in, and if they get in with some home field advantage, they don't have to get in with the wild card game. Listen, I don't even know what the format is this year since they expanded. I'll be the first to say that. If they just don't need to win a game to get in, if they can have a series, then listen, I'm going to take them in almost every series until they face the Dodgers. And that that's how I'll, how I'll end it. Regardless of how they get there, they just need to get there. And that's that's where my concern was. But I do want to shift gears to our last segment this is basically going to be kind of a fun segment all-star is um all-star games around the corner it's phase two of the all-star voting now when i had this idea i didn't realize it was phase two i just kind of assumed we get to pick our team from the masses i don't usually participate in the all-star voting that much i'm not sure about you guys but listen it's kind of cool and i and i I do want to make our teams they have two players left on each side for the starting um for the starting team so you pick from one of the two to vote them in and uh, the outfield i think has five players you can pick from but uh judge and acuna already in as all-stars um and and, and we'll, we'll make our team together I, I i originally said we'll each pick our own team but it's so it's so close that i think it's easier this way so we'll start at first base we'll start with the american the american league and it's Ty France for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. France hitting 316, 10 homers, 45 RBIs. Vladimir Guerrero, 264, 19 homers, 53 RBIs. Ty France has the edge in OPS by about uh, 25 points. Uh, Gino Seabock. Seabock, I'll start with you. Um, who are you going with, if you had to say? Um, for me, you know, I, I, I'm really enjoying, you know, the season that France is having. I think he'll get elected to the all-star game nonetheless but you know I'm, because he's hurt right now I think he's on he's either on the 10-day aisle or I think they transferred him to the 60-day aisle he just recently had an injury in the middle of June so he won't be playing regardless but you know so that's why I got to go with 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He just has the power numbers that France doesn't have. And, you know, I think that he, he's, a, he's just a guy that can just tear you up within a couple of weeks. So I think he'll, he'll have a better second half this year than he did last year. I think, I think he is worthy of an all, another all-star starting spot this season. So, yeah, my pick, uh, I'm going pick Vladimir as well. Uh, the vibe he brings to Toronto, especially, I think, him with Bichette and all, and especially, you know, Springer now, I think what he's done in the past couple of weeks so far with the walk-off hits he's had, the clutch hits, he's been having a great season. Uh, maybe if he gets elected to the to the All-Star game, he'll probably hit a homer like he did last season. But, uh, but yeah, like I agree with Sebastian with Ty France, the aisle list probably Vladimir will probably get the obvious choice, but you know, Vladimir is Vladimir. What can you say about him? Yeah, so easy Vlad there. Um, I, I do think that I, I would go with Ty France. I just think he's got the better season, but I guess we're going to play it that he is injured. He's got almost 50, I think he's got more than 50 points on Vlad, um, in average, and he does have the home runs, but the OPS he does lead. But we will go with Vlad, that's our pick. Um, we do have to move this episode along, so we'll make these picks a little quicker. I think some of them are going to be easier. Jose Altuve, Santiago Espanyol. Altuve, better average, more home runs, less RBIs by eight, but the OPS blows away Espanyol. 170 plus, um, points on the OPS. Altuve hitting 278, 16 homers, 892 OPS. Seabach, um, Gino, any objections to Altuve over Espanyol? No, I think, you know, the, it just kind of goes to show that the Toronto base actually voted. Uh, so I think, you know, it's it's kind of like fan voting. So we got to stick with Altuve here based on the numbers. So, yeah, Altuve is my pick. stats, you know, alone with Altuve, Toby is a pick. But, you know, it will be a surprise if he doesn't show up in this All-Star game as well. So moving on now, this one actually could be a little interesting. Jose Ramirez, the RBI leader in the AL, I believe he still holds that Mark Rafael Devers on the other side, 327, 17 home runs, 46 RBIs compared to Ramirez's 63. But the OPS is very close between these two players. Ramirez, 939 OPS, Devers, 962. Devers has a clear advantage over Ramirez with the batting average, almost 50 points from his 327 to Ramirez's 285. I'm close. I hate the Red Sox, but it's Devers for me. Sebastian, who's your guy? Yeah, I hate the Red Sox too as a Yankees fan, but got to go with Devers. You know, hits in the number two hole, and all he does is hit. Got 104 hits on the season. That leads Major League Baseball. I think it's tied with Paul Goldschmidt. So, uh, and, uh, you know, the defense has really improved this year. And he's also got a higher war than Jose Ramirez by about half, half points. So, I got to go with Devers in this case. Last couple of days with the Red Sox, you know, starting the season, they were fourth. Now, now they're second at the playing. You know, they're playing with uh, Toronto and Tampa with third and second place right now. Devers, my pick for sure. Cleveland Guardians, you know, Jose Ramirez, I think they're having a bit, bit of a slump right now. But, you know, Devers is always going to control third base for these past three years. So the next pick here is the catcher position. Alejandro Kirk versus Jose Trevino. Pretty easy one here. I love Trevino. But Kirk, 317, 10 homers, 33 RBIs, 907 OPS. I think Kirk's our guy there. Moving on to the outfield, Mike Trout, John Carl Stanton, George Springer, Guriel, and Judge is the player that's in. Trout, Stanton, Springer, Guriel can only pick two. Seabock, I'll go with your two first, then we'll hear from Gino. 
Well, you know, there's one obvious one on here, and that's Mike Trout. I know he's been going through a slump as of recently, but you still look at his numbers. Almost a thousand OP, almost a thousand OPS, 23 home runs, 47 RBIs, leads in basically every single category out of the outfielders in terms of production. So got to pick him, obviously. And then obviously with my second pick, I'm going with Stanton because he has the second Ooh. most production of all the other outfielders. Big and, OPS you know, guy. Yeah, big OPS guy, because I believe in OPS and that's production. So, and, you know, also, I just feel that, you know, Jace fans voted more than anyone else because Lourdes Gurriel should not be on there. And George Springer, although he's probably an all-star worthy player, also should not be on there over Julio Rodriguez. And I think there's one other player that's more deserving to be on there. So, yeah, John Carlos Stanton is my pick, along with Mike Trout. Yeah, I agree with Sebastian. I'm also good with Giancarlo and Mike Trout. You know, Giancarlo, for us Yankees fans, is probably one of the greatest players to play so far in this team. Uh, you know, nothing more to say about Stan. Mike Trout, you know, him and Otani and, and this Angels teams are probably the best players. In our, in my, from my understanding, I think are carrying this Angels team no matter what because they are two of the best players for sure. Mike Trout's going to be one of the greatest outfielders of this past 10 years of MLB. So, yeah, I think, I think for me, it's going to be Trout. It's going to be Stanton. Uh, glad we can agree there. Uh, I did skip over one. I'm looking back. I thought I got all of uh, the, You got the shortstop. Got all the infield, but we'll cycle back now to shortstop. Tim Anderson, Bo Bichette. This is a close one. Anderson's got the edge on OPS 786 to 718. We know he hits for average. 317 compared to Bo Bichette's 256 and uh Bichette's got the power 12 home runs 43 RBIs I'm going Anderson Gino you got any difference with that pick yeah it's tough but I think I'm gonna give it to Anderson especially during that Yankee series I think he was really performing well there Bichette's a great player as well but you know I look at it as well like Sebastian the OPS so I think I'm gonna give him the edge this time yeah you know I also look at the batting average too you know Tim Anderson's the leadoff guy he hits so and, you know, I got to I got to look at the war too. Bo's just he's a great player, but he's just not having the same season that he was last year. You know, uh, the, the OBP is not really good. Honestly, I think it's slightly below 300 or slightly just above it. So he's not really getting on base. He's making contact with the ball. Not really not really getting a lot of hits. I mean, he is getting a lot of hits, but, you know, he's also getting a lot of outs. So I think you got to go with Tim Anderson here. So I'm he's going better than. Yeah, he's better than. I think he's a better player than Bichette this year. I think that's that's really clear. So, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Tim Anderson. So that's the that's the clean sweep there. Designated hitter. I'm not even gonna hand it over to you guys. We know who it is. Uh, candidate Jordan Alvarez, 313, 25 homers, 58 RBIs, 1,076 OPS. Shohei Otani was second in the voting there. He's got better stats than Otani all across the board. Let's move over to the NL and things get a little tough here. Doesn't really get tough at first base. Love Pete Alonzo. He's an all-star, but he's not going to be on my ballot, at least as a starter. Paul Goldschmidt, 340, 19 homers, 65 RBIs, 1,040 OPS. He's my pick. Any objections, guys? No, Paul Goldschmidt's leading in hits uh, in the National League. He's got, you know, he's not really trailing in the production part by Pete Alonzo, but I think, you know, Paul Goldschmidt is just one of those guys that, you know, he, he's just produces year after year. And I think, you know, Alonzo's able to produce in the same way, but not the rate that Paul Goldschmidt does with all the hits that he gets. So I think Paul Goldschmidt, you know, is just the guy that's always been consist consistent. And that's why I think he's just able to get the edge over Pete Alonzo this time. 
Yeah, at first I was considering maybe Pete Alonso, but you know, I'm always a stats guy. I want to see who's performing really well. So I'm going to have to pick Paul Goldschmidt for this one. Thousand uh, OPS, you know, 19 home runs. He's competing with Pete Alonso, but I think I'm going to give it to Goldschmidt because he does have the better batting average as of now. So I do want to move over now to the second base position. These get a little tougher. You got Jazz Chisholm and Ozzy Albies. Um, I mean, Albies under 700 OPS, and he's got worse power numbers, worse RBIs, and worse batting average. Chisholm, 254, 14 home runs, 45 RBIs, 860 OPS. And I love Albies as a player, but I think it's pretty obvious here that Jazz Chisholm is the better of the two, at least this season. Um, but this is where it really starts to get tougher. Manny Machado, 316 batting average, 12 homers, 46 RBIs, 915 OPS versus Nolan Arenado, 296 average, 17 home runs, 55 RBIs, 895 OPS. Gino, I'll start with you. Which of those two guys is your pick? Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Manny Machado like everybody. Uh, you know, he's having a great couple of games so far this past couple of weeks, this past week, excuse me. And I think I have no further conversation about it i think i'm just go clear with this just manny machado you know i looked up the stat you know wins above replacement it kind of values you know how many wins how many more wins with that player than like your average player and i think you know nolan arenado has a slightly better war than manny machado so because of that I, I'm, I'm just going to pick nolan arenado as a deciding factor because he does have a higher war than manny machado but it's also because he's been really hot these last couple of weeks he just had the cycle a week ago and, you know, that's really boosted up his numbers as of recently. So I think that uh, uh, you – so, about who are you going with? You're going with Aaron I went, I went with I went with Arenado, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on your pick. I'm going to overrule Gino, unfortunately. Nolan Arenado is my pick, and I know the batting average can kind of make you slay to Machado, but listen, Arenado's a gold glove. I know Machado's great defensively too, but Arenado's so good there. He's got the homers, he's got the RBIs, and the OPS is super close where I think over a season we might see more production out of Arenado. Um, and that is what the pick is going to be. So we're going to go known Arenado. So let's move over to shortstops here. This is a pretty close one. We got Dansby Swanson, 14 homers, 302 batting average. Trey Turner, 307 average, 11 home runs. Turner, 10 more RBIs. The OPS is super close. Swanson edges Turner out 861 to 839. So it's a close one, and I'll go with you first, Seabach. Who's your pick? Um, you know, my pick is going to be Dansby Swanson. I'll tell you why. Number one, Dansby Swanson has a 3.4 war. Trey Turner has a 2.6 war. So wins above replacement is my analytical stat. It kind of measures the value of a player on a certain team. And this year, Dansby Swanson is the more valuable player. And if you look at, you know, okay, Trey Turner does have 10 more RBIs than Dansby Swanson. Uh, Trey Turner is not a leadoff hitter anymore. He bats number three for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dansby Swanson is a number two hitter. So, and he has more home runs than Trey Turner. So the batting averages are pretty close. The production numbers are, you know, pretty similar overall, but my pick is just Dansby Swanson in this case, just because of my analytical take. So Swanson is my pick as well. So that will give Dansby the pick over Trey Turner, which I think is what a lot of people end up going unless Los Angeles Dodgers fan crash um, the voting Let's move on now. Let's go to the catcher position. For me, this is another easy one. He's having, in my opinion, a historic year behind the plate, given how good he is defensively, his OPS numbers, his average. It's Wilson Contreras, 274 average, 13 home runs, 35 RBIs, 890 OPS. 
versus Travis um, Travis Darno. 264 average, 11 home runs, 36 RBIs, 790 OPS. Is there any disagreement with Contreras? For me, it's a pretty easy one. Uh, no, there is no disagreement with Contreras. I mean, look, the, the batting average, the home run numbers are, are pretty close, uh, pretty similar overall. But if you if you really look at it more closely, you know, Wilson Contreras is the most obvious pick here. I mean, he's got the higher on-base percentage. I mean, Travis Darno's on-base percentage is pretty below average, honestly. It's it's 309. It's less than 310. So, and then the OPS numbers for Contreras are just much higher than Travis Darno. So it kind of just shows you he's doing much better in the slugging department. And I think that, you know, Contreras is just a better defender. He's been historically a better defender overall than Darno. So it's, it's Contreras in my case. Yeah. I'm going to pick Contreras as well, uh, but don't just disregard of Travis's numbers in the month of June. I think he was top three of like every stat point, but I think, you know, the most deserving candidates, it has to be Wilson Contreras. Yeah. So Contreras it is. And that leads us to our final choices. We'll start with the outfield in the NL. Jock Peterson, Mookie Betts, Starling Marte, Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall does not really seem like an option at all for me. I don't know how he ended up on the final ballot. Acuna is already in. So we only have two picks left to make and it's tough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's tough. I think it's Jock and it's Mookie, but yet it's hard to forget Starling Marte. I know he doesn't have the power numbers, but the average is there. And I know the OPS is a hundred points off of the other top two guys, but he has stolen bases. He does a lot of great things for the Mets. He is an all-star. I just, I guess he's not an all-star starter. So I'm going to go Jock and I'm going to go Betts. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Jock and Betts as well. Uh, Starling, for me, he's having a – his stats says it. He's having a good season so far. But, you know, I think in the ballot so far, I think Mookie was the first pick. So it was surprising that he – it's not the starting uh, starting player so far in a starting lineup. Uh, I picked Acuna right away as soon, you know, as he was on the list. But, yeah, I think Jock is probably going to be my, also my third pick uh, aside from Mookie. Yeah, I got to agree with you guys in general right there because, you know, sluggers tend to go before runners. So, and Starling Marte is a runner and Jock Peterson's a slugger. So, Jock Peterson, you know, is going to get the nod over Starling Marte because of his power numbers. And I think Marte will be the All-Star game nonetheless because, you know, he's just a phenomenal player overall having another really good season. But because the power numbers are both there for Mookie Betts and Jock Peterson, I think they get the nod over Starling Marte. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy there, but listen, it, it, it's kind of tough to do this. We're picking against great players, but I do think that almost all these cases, there was a clear um, choice for us to make. I think the close ones were probably um, Arenado versus Machado. I think Swanson versus Turner. And then on the other side, I think Ramirez versus Devers. Those were the, probably the closest one I have to make. And Vlad versus Ty France, obviously close with the injury, kind of helped us with that one. The last uh, position, as I get a text and you can hear it uh, go off, um, is designated hitter spot. And I think it's a really easy one. I know he's hurt, but he still deserves that starting spot over, I think, William Contreras, who is the other option. It's Bryce Harper, 318, 15 homers, 48 RBIs, 984 OPS, someone who just doesn't get the credit he deserves coming off that MVP season. He came out um, into the league as such a big name, but I think it's important to notice how good he is when he's on the field. He had a fantastic year, and hopefully he gets back soon and is able to continue this season, and if not, have a new one next season. But listen, 
that's going to do it for this episode of the Nosebleed Podcast. Did a lot. We talked about some All-Stars. We talked about the Yankees. We talked about the Mets. Covered a lot. So a really good episode. We're glad to have you on, Gino, for your first uh, episode, your first uh, episode of anything, I think, here at WFV and CBOC. Great to welcome you to the Nosebleeds podcast. So an awesome episode. And make sure to tune in next week. We got to keep the things rolling. Yankees-Red Sox series. We're going to recap that, get more into the All-Stars. So a great episode coming for you next week. But once again, Michael Calamari, Sebastian Seabock, Gino Alva. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Nosebleeds podcast, a production of WFUV Sports.